calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is of gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Welcome to another edition of CFA Institute's Take 15 series. My name is Dave Larrabee and I'm joined by Kenneth Hackle. Ken is a CFA charter holder and president of CT Capital. Ken's also the author of Security Valuation and Risk Analysis. It's a thought-provoking book that challenges traditional thinking on important concepts like cost of capital and free cash flow. Ken, welcome. Good morning. Ken, your book introduces analysts to uh, new methodologies for determining the cost of capital and the return on invested capital, focusing first on that cost of equity capital. You've been critical of the uh, capital asset pricing model. Uh, what are the primary flaws that you see in the CAPM? Well, uh, even uh, the uh, uh, co-author of the capital asset pricing model, Bill Sharp, has himself over the past uh, uh, five years or so been critical of the model. I look at things uh, a little different way, not from the academic side, but uh, more from the practitioner point of view. Uh, as a practitioner, um, I'm in interested in learning the uh, ability of a f firm, of an enterprise, to generate cash, free cash flow. Free cash flow is defined as the maximum amount of cash an entity could distribute to its shareholders without impairing its growth rate and without a reduction in their capital base. Uh, when that free cash flow number is uh, defined, one must then discount the free cash flow by a cost of capital. Under the, under the capital asset pricing model, the central element of that is beta. Uh, the beta has many faults. Uh, for example, uh, one under the uh, capital asset pricing model uh, would presume that firms that have a uh, beta of, of below one would have less risk than the market as a whole, the market as defined by the uh, S&P 500 or the Russell 1000. Those indices have basically a 99% plus correlation to one another. However, I can uh, show you, Dave, uh, hundreds of firms that have had betas of uh, below one and even below zero that uh, have filed for bankruptcy or a, or a banana peel away from uh, filing bankruptcy. Uh, uh, when we look at uh, cost of capital and we define cost of capital, we're really looking to define the uncertainty of those free cash flows. Uh, we will look at uh, not just the free cash flow, but the credit health of the firm as well. What are some of these factors we would look at uh, to arrive at that discount rate? Uh, some, of those, some of these metrics are, are metrics you would expect to see, such as uh, variability of sales, sales, growth rate of sales, input costs, uh, variability of input costs, cash burn rate, uh, does, the patent have, does the company have uh, patent, uh, patent risk? Does the company have rollover, rollover of debt risk? Uh, the firm's tax rate, uh, we found, uh, for example, a strong relationship between cost of capital and taxes. Mm -hmm. uh, both the uh, effective tax rate and the, uh, and the real tax rate, the cash tax rate. So, um, uh, and the metrics, actually we've identified 60 plus other metrics besides that. Um, that go into our credit model, and all of which 
um, when comprised, uh, form a discount rate from which we use to evaluate those free cash flows. Let me, let me give you an example of how important that discount rate is. Take, for example, a, a firm that generates uh, $1.20 a share in free cash flow with an 8% discount rate. If that discount rate uh, rises one percentage point uh, from 8% to 9%, the fair value will decline by 25%. Mm-hmm. If that discount rate rises from 8% to 12%, the fair value of the enterprise will fall by 57%. Yet when you read the analyst reports, not just from the Tier 1 firms, but from, from all firms, you'll find that the, um, the analyst is spending uh, the bulk of their time, his or her time, formulating the numerator of the equation, but not so much the denominator of the equation, that that cost of capital. And I think when you look back, uh, you find that um, amongst the errors that analysts make, uh, not just analysts, but investors in general, is their their lack of uh, formulating a good risk equation, um, such that uh, they almost tend to... um, Look at whatever metrics fit whatever whatever point they're trying to prove. Sure. So if the uh, if 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 the PE doesn't fit their metrics, they'll look at the price to book. Uh, as we saw, unfortunately, during the worldwide credit crisis, uh, book values don't mean very much because book values can come crashing down. If analysts uh, had spent more of their time looking at uh, credit risk, uh, they would have saved themselves uh, uh, a great deal of uh, a great deal of great deal of horror. Right. So, well, your model is certainly very comprehensive, but how would you respond to those who would say, you know, some of these factors that you're looking at, say, country risk, are already inherently incorporated or factored into uh, the CAPM's beta? Uh, that is, you know, a company operating in with, within volatile markets um, probably is going to have a higher beta, all else being equal, no? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, sovereign risk is one of the factors uh, in our credit model, mm-hmm. as is uh, uh, the rates on the credit default risk, uh, the CDR rates, uh, and credit spreads. They're all part, all part of our model. And we found that uh, country risk, um, uh, and certainly in our models, accounted for because we built up the cost of equity capital based on the, the risk of the country, which we evaluate. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the capital asset pricing model, it's not necessarily there. Uh, for instance, so we saw it during the during every credit, every crisis, by the way, going back, whether it be the Greek crisis of a year ago and, and ones going back decades ago, that all of those, all of those uh, uh, problems that the world has encountered uh, have been uh, started by, by credit. Uh, yet uh, when, the, uh, when the crisis took place, those, those, uh, the equities of those affected um, enterprises fell quite dramatically, so they weren't taken into account. Uh, by the beta. And when we uh, look at uh, foreign securities, uh, uh, we find that, uh, in fact, the beta does not reflect uh, the risk of those firms. And uh, about 23%, by the way, of our portfolio is in ADRs. So we spend uh, quite a bit of time looking at sovereign risk and uh, credit default uh, mm-hmm. rates and, and swap rates. Uh, and we find that beta is not, uh, in fact, uh, taken into account either, either foreign-wise foreign or, or domestic-wise. Mm-hmm. Let's turn our attention to return on invested capital. You've also been critical of the use of EBITDA as a measure of free cash flow. How should we instead be calculating free cash flow? Well, interestingly, uh, EBITDA really started to uh, grow uh, during the 70s uh, as LBOs became uh, very much in vogue. 
Uh, yet, uh, Ibera has many weaknesses associated with it. First of all, uh, as you just pointed out, uh, Ibera is not a measure of distributable cash. Uh, it does not take into account um, taxes, and taxes are certainly an unavoidable part of doing unavoidable part of doing business. Uh, federal taxes, uh, use taxes, and certainly state taxes are, are, are unavoidable. Um, it ignores the, uh, uh, the capital adequacy of the firm, the capital needs of the firm. Um, it does not include uh, working capital requirements. It's not, not, that does not include uh, stock-based compensation. Um, uh, and even in merger analysis, by the way, which I've worked on quite a few, it does not include uh, a lot of the cost of, uh, of that, uh, whether it be uh, restructuring costs, relocation costs, uh, 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 cost, of, cost of the deal itself. Uh, so the, even the use of EBITDA uh, uh, does not make sense. EBITDA, of course, is uh, solely comprised of uh, uh, income statement items, uh, what I like to call income statement concepts. Um, so one cannot uh, use EBITDA to uh, come up with a measure of uh, distrib- distributable cash. That's a cash that could uh, accrue to the, to the owners of the capital. Uh, sticking with that same theme, you pointed out that return on invested capital and growth in free cash are, are usually good yardsticks with which to measure the or judge the performance of company managements. And related to this, uh, I think if you're also, you've also cited uh, share repurchases as uh, generally poor uses of corporate cash. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, your objections to uh, stock buybacks and are all share repurchases inherently bad? Uh, I believe they are. Uh, I need only point to a fellow by the name of, uh, he calls himself Warren Buffett. When Berkshire Hathaway had a market capitalization of $50 million, he wasn't buying back stock or paying a dividend. When it had a $500 million market cap, he wasn't doing it. A billion-dollar market cap, a $100 billion market cap, and now Berkshire Hathaway is over $200 billion market cap. Why hasn't he done that? Because buying back stock uh, does nothing to improve return on invested capital. Take, for example, a firm that, comp- uh, that uh, is... is basically two parts, an operating company and that part that holds the cash. Now, because of today's low yields, the uh, part that holds the cash would have a uh, multiple of, say, 33 times. Uh, the operating company, uh, let's say, sells it uh, uh, 12 times its free cash flow. As the firm uh, buys back stock, undoubtedly it's um, Gap-based metrics, return on, uh, uh, earnings per share, return on equity, uh, growth rate and earnings per share will improve. However, what you'll see happen is the, um, the multiple, whether it be the free cash, flow multiple, free cash flow multiple or the earnings multiple, will gravitate from the midpoint of that 33 and, uh, and, and 10 uh, more towards the operating company so that even though uh, gap-based metri- metrics will rise, uh, the total uh, valuation of the firm will fall and gravitate towards the operating company. And for good reason, because when a firm buys back stock or pays a dividend, it does not in- add to invested capital. It does nothing, does nothing to really improve shareholders uh, uh, because a f- uh, management is really paid to, uh, in- paid to increase their f- prospective free cash flows. And by buying back stock, the firm is not adding to its capital base from which additional free cash flow will be derived. So one can naturally expect the, fr- the free cash flow of the firm to gravitate towards the operating company and away from that higher 
midpoint multiple of the cash and the operating company. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Uh, can you put your investment model to the test over the last three years or so? Um, I noticed in building your portfolio that you avoided banks and airlines, um, I guess in part because of the instability and leverage associated uh, with those groups. Um, can you speak to the performance uh, results you've seen uh, so far in your portfolio? And maybe uh, are those, or just address the idea that maybe those results are compromised uh, to some degree by avoiding what is a pretty significant uh, portion of the market. And I found that it's very difficult to analyze the, uh, the free cash flow and the debt where I spend a lot of my time, of large banks. Uh, it has never affected my performance in a, in a negative way. Uh, undoubtedly, there have been periods of time where banks have done very well. Um, yet I've compensated for that by buying other financially related firms, such as insurance companies, which I find easier to uh, analyze than, than the banks themselves. Uh, uh, last year, we outperformed through the model. This year, we're starting to uh, accept live money, and we're outperforming in the limited period that we've done so thus far. Um, uh, banks, uh, um, a lot of time has got to be spent on looking at the asset side, of the, obviously, on the asset side, as well as the liability side and the reserve side. And the models I've created over the last four decades uh, really don't, don't fit well with that. Yet, uh, when you look at the performance of the portfolio, it's outperformed and, and outperformed, outperformed with less risk. So I haven't found where that, uh, that, that, that's really a problem. Uh, we have over 5,000 uh, firms to choose from. And uh, well, one might say, well, it's, uh, um, banks are a large part of the, fun of the, of the universe, and it certainly it is, it is uh, from a risk and return viewpoint. Uh, and from being able to find firms that, can, that are able to add value, that is, are able to uh, generate free cash above the cost of, ca cost of capital, and do, and do so consistently. And consistency is a very, very important measure uh, for us. We find that... Uh, the banks, uh, banks, banks don't fit, especially with regard to the, by the way, with the, uh, the consistency measures that we look at, whether it be consistency in, uh, in, in sales, consistency of uh, input costs, uh, consistency of tax rate. Uh, the banks really don't, uh, uh, don't fit well with, uh, with that philosophy. Well, Ken, thanks very much for sharing your insights with us today, and, and thank you for watching. That concludes another edition of CFA Institute's Take 15 series. You can access our full catalog of webcasts at cfawebcast.org. Copyright 2011, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.